and we're in 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 6 is a really uh, intense book of the Bible. It talks about uh, Aram and how they launched a siege against the people of Samaria. And when they did this, they cut off all of their supplies and a terrible famine of food began in the city and it caused food prices to soar. You think it's a bad thing you go to the grocery store and you can't find bread. This was terrible. They were eating donkey's heads and it, it was out of control. They were so desperate the Bible says in 2 Kings 6 that they started to eat their young. Now, before quarantine, like I read that, those verses and I'm like, that's gross. But like after this quarantine time and like being out of work a little bit, kids being out of school a little bit, I totally get this. Like I could see this eating their young happening. <laughs> it's nice to have somebody in the room actually laughs at my jokes. I paid everybody in the room to laugh at my jokes today. <laughs> so you read something like, like that and you, you actually get it. But a famine is, it's just basically, it's, it's a scarcity, a lack, deficiency. It can be morally, socially, it can be economically, scarcity, lack, or deficiency. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We're asking over these next few moments, you would speak clear to us. Teach us how to handle this time we're in. God, help us to be the best that we've been called to be. Help us to rise to the occasion. Don't let us sink in the water. We are called to walk on the things that everybody else is sinking into. So help us to see that and do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, 2 Kings chapter 7, you have to, you have to also excuse me because I can't start this over. Like you have no idea. People think when they listen to it online, they think, wow, he, he, he only had to preach once today. Pastor Robbie's doing less work than he's ever done. No, I'm actually preaching it more because I start and stop about 20 or 30 times. Just ask the people who come to record. It's, it's terrible. When you know you can start over, when you know you make a mistake and you can start over, it's a wild thing. But right now, it's live. We are actually live. And I'm kind of freaking out on the inside, even though I preached live for five years. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. 2 Kings chapter 7. I guess I'm going to have to find it here in my, in my Bible. Okay, 2 Kings 7. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. So this is, this is during the siege of Samaria. The Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, what he is prophesying is that the food prices are going to go down because the famine is going to end. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven open up, this could not be. And he said, in fact, this is what the prophet said to the man who said that. He said, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. I read this scripture and it reminds me to be very careful about what I say during times of lack. Because what happens is I'm actually creating the world I'm going to live in post-quarantine. So if I begin to think of God that he isn't a provider, that he isn't good, that even if God opened up the windows of heaven, he could not turn this thing around, it's so bad, then that's the world I'll continue to live in. And when the heavens do open up, the Bible says, I won't see any of it. I won't reap the benefits of what I said during my suffering. 
Wow. Now listen, if, if, I say, if I say good things while I'm going through trouble, that means at the end of my trouble, I'm going to see good things. Come on, I believe that scripture when it says, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I know it's gotten bad, but I believe we are going to see the goodness of God. Can you say amen in the room and can you say amen online? I believe that. I'm speaking by faith. I don't want to be the person who, listen, the prophet says this. He says, this is going to happen and you're going to see it happen, but you're not going to experience it. Verse 19 of this same chapter says that when things finally do turn around, that when the people heard where the food was and the supply was, they started to run towards it and they trampled this man to death where he stood. He saw the heavens open up, but he didn't get to participate because of the words that came out of his mouth. So we gotta be very cautious when we speak because we are framing the world we are gonna live in when this finishes and God shows himself to be faithful. And I believe God has already been faithful through this entire thing. I don't think I'm waiting on God to be faithful. I think God has been faithful right now. Now, this is really cool. We're going to get into the, this little part. This is where the sermon's at. So the Syrians begin to, to flee in these next few verses. Watch this. Verse 3. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we still sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we will die also. Now, therefore, come let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired us against the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight. Notice this. These men begin to walk at twilight. The enemy begins to hear an army at twilight. Think of that. God turned the steps of four lepers into the sound of an army. I I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'm telling you, all God is asking for you to do is to just don't stay where you are. You cannot stay here. I don't know, but this quarantine has put me in a place where I don't feel like I can go, but I don't feel like I can stay. I don't feel like I can move forward, but I definitely don't want to move backward. Have you felt stuck during this time, and God is saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go out and start licking handrails. I'm just asking you to move. I'm just asking you to get some faith, to get up on your feet again, to rise up again, to begin speaking the word of the Lord again, to be saying and declaring God's word over your family, over your life again, to believe again, to hope again, to put your confidence in him again. That's, that's what I'm, I'm believing and I'm, and I'm seeing. So we can't stay here, they said. If we go to the grocery store, we'll die. If we stay in our house, somebody will come over and give it to us. We'll die. So we can't stay here. (laughs) So therefore they arose. They fled at twilight. And when they got up, the enemy ran out. Notice that. When they got up, the enemy ran out. When they got up, the enemy ran out. I'm going to say that until you feel it reverberating in your head. And your kids repeat it to you and ask you, why does he keep saying that? They got up. And the enemy ran out. So the enemy runs out and they start to walk in to this place. Because when, when, they, when they got scared, they didn't think to take any of their stuff with them. 
They left. They just ran. And they left all of their supplies. They left their gold. They left their silver. They left their food. They left their animals. They left it all. That's crazy. And so these guys start going in and they start going to town. They start picking out outfits and they start picking out, you know, the food they want to eat. And they're going tent by tent. And they're, they're, they're finding food and clothing and everything. And the Bible says they look at one another. In verse 9 it says, it says, we're not doing what's right. This is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. This is such a powerful, powerful story. Notice this though. Notice what fear does to people. Fear causes people. Hebrews actually says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, it says the fear of death can lead to a lifetime of bondage. The fear of death can lead to a lifetime of bondage. And that's the thing that's overwhelming our nation right now. It's this fear of death. Whether it's fear of the virus or it's a fear of death to your dreams or it's a fear of death to the business you started or it's a fear of death to your relationships and your family, or it's a fear of death to your church. I know pastors all across the country right now who are afraid they'll never be able to gather like this again, who are afraid that their church will never be in a position where they can do this again. People who have lost facilities, people who have lost their congregants to other spaces and places. You think just because you go online, everybody's watching you. No, 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 no. People are people. They'll do the same thing they'll do the same thing they were doing before the quarantine. They were church shopping before the quarantine. They'll church shop during it. It's just easier during it because you can watch anybody online. You can go to anybody's church online. Now I can be a member at Bishop Jakes' church, the Potter's House. (laughs) And what are you going to choose if you get to choose between me and him? So there's pastors that are, thank you, I appreciate that. One person in there. (laughs) There's pastors that are really scared right now, the death of their ministry. That, and people are saying, well, online church, this is the new normal. I'm sorry, this is, that is not the new normal. I don't know if you noticed it, but our, our online viewership is dropping every single week because people are like, yeah, this was good at the beginning, but this is not the way I want to live my life. At some point, I can't stay here any longer. I got to give myself to the house of God. So this fear of death can lead to a lifetime of bondage. And you'll settle for a life of less than because of what fear does to you. When you, embrace, when, when you embrace death, you do for yourself what Jesus already did for you. The Bible tells us that he embraced death. He took it on himself. He destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life. Scared to death of death. So how do, I, how do I get rid of this fear of death? First of all, you have to cast down thoughts of death, doom, and the end of the world. Can I tell you, I've read the book of Revelation. I don't understand a lot of the book of Revelation. But I know this is not the end of days. There, there will be no obscurity to when it is the end times. I'm telling you, when it is the end of days and the apocalypse is happening and 
Everything is getting crazy. The Bible says like half of the world is going to die. Like this is not that. We are inconvenienced, but we are not incapacitated. Like, this is not the end of the world. So you got to get, you got to cast down those thoughts of death, doom, despair, end of the world. Psalm 56, 3 through 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. I don't praise my feelings, I praise his word. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? You have to end this during this time. You have to make God's word your fixed point of reference. You have to have a fixed point of reference. Because right now you are, and all of us are, in uncertain waters. We are in certain time. And we're not just in uncertain waters. We are in deep waters. We're in deep waters. Have you ever been on a jet ski in the ocean and it's cool when you're, when you're riding on your jet ski and you can see the ocean floor? But there's this point you hit, right, when you're driving it, and it just gets dark. And when it gets dark, it gets scary. And most of the people ride their jet ski close to land as long as they can see the bottom. But very few people take that thing out there when in the deep waters. And right now, whether you like it or not, you're in deep waters. <laughs> you're in deep waters. And when you are in deep waters, this isn't, this isn't the highway. This isn't even back roads. There are no signs to tell you where to go. There, there, there's, no, there's no GPS on the ocean that says turn down uh, uh, Hickory Street and then take a right on Cumberland Avenue. You, there are no street signs. When you are on the waters, all you have is fixed points of reference. You've got the stars in the sky, you've got a compass in your hand, and you've got a lighthouse somewhere. And you have to keep your eyes on that fixed point of reference or you will end up off track. I'm telling you, you have to have a fixed point of reference right now. It can't be CNN. It cannot be Fox News. It can't be the radio. It must be the word of the living God. You have to have a fixed point of reference. Because those people, they change their mind every day. But the Bible says we serve a God who changes not. He's changing not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I don't know where I am, I fix my eyes on him because he's a permanent point of reference for my life. <laughs> I have to be guided by a fixed point. I have to avoid hysteria from any source. Sometimes we think because a Christian said it, we should listen to it. Well, Christians can act hysterical as well. Christians can act ir irrational as well. Just go to social media like for one hour. You, you won't even know what to believe. You won't know who to believe. Part of, you will think, part of you will think this is some big plan that the whole world has turned against us and there's some secret meetings in a dark room happening and they've inflicted us with this and they've actually, they're going to inject it into you at some point. And, and there's another part of the world that's like, hey, let's just go out and lick handrails. Like somewhere, somewhere there has to be a fixed point. Like hysteria is, is, is out of control right now. And it's even out of control from Christian people. And so even if the hysteria is coming from the church, ignore the church. <laughs> you have to avoid hysteria. The endless interviews, the endless opinions, the endless commentary and reporting 
are keeping us filled with uncertainty, fear, and paranoia. (laughs) It's natural for fear to be a response. But fear is not supposed to be your reaction. Fear is there to kind of gauge where we are, but it's not supposed to control us. Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, he said, I have not, Paul said, he said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love as a sound mind. Doesn't mean you don't have fear. Just means you don't have a spirit. Just means to be controlled by fear. And so many people right now are controlled by their fear. And we cannot be controlled by our fear. Watch this. Job chapter 5 verse 20, the Bible says, in famine, this is what God does. He redeems you from death and in war from the power of the sword. Listen, I hate that this disease has taken people's lives. I hate it. But for a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter if it's COVID or cancer or natural causes. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's why right now, if you are afraid of death, turn your life over to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day because you don't have to fear COVID if, if, if you know where you're going after this is all over anyway. Thank you. Feels good to have people in the room. So a famine is not a time for God's people to be in fear. God uses a famine to humble us and draw us to him. In desperation, times of great lack are when God shows up as a great provider. Some of you right now are experiencing Jehovah Jireh. Like you thought you knew what that meant because you went to church and you heard a message on it. But some of you right now, like you're actually experiencing Jehovah Jireh, my God will provide. Is there anybody in the room, anybody online right now, you want to just say amen in the comments section and say, God has provided for me. A famine is, is something that would cause people in the, in the word of God to seek out a prophet for a word from the Lord. I don't really care about people's opinion. I want a word from God right now. A famine took Abraham to Egypt. A famine made Isaac go to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And while Isaac was there, listen, he had so much favor in a famine that the Philistines asked him to leave because he was doing better than them. He had more people, he had more money, he had more animals than the Philistines, and they got mad at him because they didn't have as much as he had. Why? Because when you're a child of God, a famine isn't supposed to make you run in fear. You're supposed to stand in faith. A famine got Joseph out of a prison cell and into the office of prime minister. A famine took Ruth into the fields of Boaz. (laughs) A famine, what does it do? It positions the church for the favor of God. When there's a lack and people are hungry, whether it's for moral leadership, whether it's the economy, socially, it's injustice. Wherever there is lack, people get hungry. And what does God do in a famine? God raises up leaders in a famine. Like I said, in in verses 5 through 7, the Bible says of, of 2 Kings 7, It says that these men started out at twilight. And when they started out, the people in the camp of Aram, they they heard an army. And they start running. Think about this. God uses the four most unlikely people to start a revival. 
Why? Because in a famine, God raises up unusual leaders. In a famine of justice, Esther, an orphan, put her life on the line for her nation. In a famine of morality, Josiah was made king, listen, at eight years of age. That's my boy Oliver who's on his cell phone on the front row. At eight years of age and by 16 years old, you listen to this, Ollie? By 16 years old, he put the video games down. He started giving, he ain't, he ain't listening, he's still on the phone. He, by 16 years of age, he destroyed idols that a previous generation just ignored and let hang around by 16 Famine causes unusual leaders to arise. I love this. So how do, how, do we, how, do we, how do we turn the tide? I love how the tide was turned. They took a step of faith. And watch this. They did the right thing. I'm telling you, people ask me this all the time. And I give the same answer. They, they're like, how do I... How do I turn the tide in my life? How do I begin to turn things around? Like things are going this direction. How do I begin to turn them in the right direction? I said, you said the, word, you said the right word. Right. Just start doing the right things and watch your life begin to turn around. Stop stealing. You mean I have to stop stealing for my life to turn around? Yes. Stop cheating. You mean I have to stop cheating for my marriage to turn around? Yeah. Start, uh, start giving. You mean I have to give? To, yeah, give and it will be given to you. The Bible doesn't lie to you. It tells you the truth. <laughs> A lot of people want their life to turn around by some wind or some situation. And God's like, no, if you just start doing the right things. The right things will start adding up over time. And, man, you'll find yourself in a position a year from now that you never imagined you would be in because you did the right things. The right thing. Psalm 37, 18 through 19 says, The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have an abundance. So they're, they're going through all of the tents, and they start to look at each other like, Well, that's a nice outfit. Oh, I like your outfit. Oh, look at that big piece of chicken you got there. That, yeah, I like that's great. Oh, that's filet. Yeah, that's, that, that looks really good. And they start to think, oh, there's, there's people dying back home. What we're doing is wrong. Now watch this. They had every right to not give a rip about the people back home. Why? These are lepers. They've been kicked out. The reason they're on the outside of the city is because they're lepers. They've been rejected by everybody because of the condition in their life. It's kind of how I think people feel when they get COVID. Like they're just an outcast now. They got to go hide in their basement for 14 days. And then they're just like, they're wondering if people will accept them. I'm serious. Like people have this mindset of like, will people think even when I'm better, will they? I don't know where in your life you've been made to feel like the outcast. Like you were on the outside looking in. Everything in you when you get blessed doesn't want to turn around and start blessing the people that cursed you. Blessing the people that kicked you out. Blessing the people that told you you were no good. Blessing the people that said, you'll never make it. <laughs> but that's what they did. And I love this because when we, listen, when we start to treat our enemies well, it's when we know that the gospel has really taken its place in our life. 
Because the gospel is not proved by how we treat our friends. The gospel is proved by how we treat our enemies. Come on, I'm going to say that one more time and we're all going to say a big hearty amen together. The gospel is not proven by how we treat our friends, but the gospel is proven by how we treat our enemies. You need to hear that word today because you're running around saying, I'm being good to people. Oh, you're being good to your friends. And the Bible teaches us that it's easy to love people who love you. But the gospel trains us to love people who don't love us, to love people who actually hate us and despise us. And you're getting, on, you're getting in fights with your friends? Imagine how you'd be treating your enemies right now. Good thing you're, you're socially isolated from them. You'd be giving your enemies something to deal with right now. But no, 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 that's not the gospel. The gospel is not really about how I treat my friends. Anybody can treat their friends well. The gospel is really proven in my life when I treat my enemies well. I, I, I've been saying this to friends. I've been saying, let's love people so well that they long for the gospel to be true. That the atheist looks at us and says, man, you are so good to me and so kind to me. I wish what you were saying is true. Until it leads them on this discovery of Jesus. Until they see so much Jesus in you that they want Jesus to be real. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that we come out of this and that's what people see. They see so much Jesus in us that they're like, man, I'm, I know I said that's not true, but man, I wish it was. Until they see so much Jesus that faith arises and says, maybe, maybe this is, maybe I should do some research. Maybe I should dive into it. Maybe I should look into this. And I tell you, most people who go out to prove that God is real, find out that he is real. Once people start wanting him to be real, they're right there. They're on the verge of transformation. In verse 13, the Bible says that these guys have already come. They've already yelled because, watch this, even though they come back with good news, they're still not let in. Good news doesn't mean you're going to you're going to get in with the cool people. Good news doesn't mean you're going to fit in now. It could mean you're still on the outskirts. It just means that now you're blessed on the outside and you don't need, you start to realize, I don't need to get inside to get blessed. I'm blessed right here. I'm blessed right where I am. So they told, they said, hey, this is happening. And when they say it, people are like, oh man, that's, that's crazy. This, it's, a, it's a trap. And one guy, because watch this, hope is contagious. One guy in the, of, of the king's officers in 2 Kings 7, 13, he goes, he goes, we had better send out scouts to at least check this out. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it'll be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. We heard this before, right? It's like we can stay here and die or we can go there and possibly die. Let's try something. Let's at least try. Even if we lose the remaining horses, they were going to die anyway if we stay here. Hope is contagious. You start to get around somebody who thinks they can do stuff, you start thinking you can do stuff. Like if you get, you get around, like I've been around people who talk so well. I've, like there was this friend I had and I had never seen him play basketball, but he talked so well. 
well about his basketball abilities, I thought he was LeBron James. Like, I thought if we laced him up, we were going to go out. He looked like an athlete. He talked like an athlete. He acted like an athlete. And then we played basketball, and he was terrible. <laughs> he was awful. But I was so inspired by his talk that, that it gave me hope that maybe, maybe at 41, there's still some hope. For me, and then I got out there and my knee gave out and it just didn't work out. But I'm just, I'm telling you, I'd rather mess my knee up trying than to spend the rest of my life going, oh man, I do that, but you know, it aches a little bit today. I, I'd have to put a little bit of oil on it and, you know, sit next to an essentials oil machine for about five hours and maybe it'll seep in there. And <laughs> I want to be around people that are full of hope. That's why I invited you in this room today. Many of you know our elders and pastors. These are people full of hope. They're not the people running around buying up the bread in the grocery store. They're not the people that went and took all the toilet paper. These are people in this room today that are full of hope. We believe the best is still yet to come. We believe that God is going to get the glory out of this situation. And we believe that we cannot stay here. We've got to move. We've got to move. It doesn't mean you run around again and just start, you know, making out with strangers and, you know, holding hands with everybody. And no, no, no we're, not, we're not staying. Be stupid. We're not, just don't live afraid. If the government says, hey, you can go outside and wear a mask and be within six feet of someone, then why are you just still scared? When if they say we can gather, then why, why are you still? There's going to be this part of you that sits there and says, says stuff like, I, I'm not coming out until they could a cure. They don't have a cure for a lot of stuff, but we, we didn't act like this before this happened. I understand. Take our time. I understand. I understand the social distance. I understand the quarantine. I, I get it. But we flattened the curve. They told us flatten the curve. We flattened it. We flattened it. It's almost non-existent in Washington County. Come on, let's not live in fear. I'm, I'm, again, listen to me. I know I, the comments are probably filling up right now. And I can see somebody angry typing an email right now. I'm not going to read it anyway. <laughs> when, when I see that there's no name on the email, I just don't read it. I'm just going to tell you, that. you want me to read it, put your name on it. I'll read it, but I won't respond. So I, I just, I, I, I can't, there are going to be people that are just going to sit around. I, I'm, not com I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. There, there's, there's, there's so much to stay home over. I, yesterday, my kids wanted to go to the blue hole. And if you know where the blue hole is, it's, it's, out, it's out in the middle of nowhere, out past Unica and all that. And I grew up going out there. I grew up. I was there. And, and, and my whole, the whole time, they asked me to go. I'm like, they're going to jump off something and get paralyzed. <laughs> right? Could that happen? Absolutely. I, he, my son is 18. Could he do something dumb? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm 41 and it's possible. So, but, but, but did I say, no, you can't, no. There's the possibility 
And you're going to be tempted to live your life under this cloud of what if. Don't live there. I'm not saying be stupid. Believe me. Wear a mask if you want to wear a mask. Stay away from people if you want to stay away from people. But don't live in fear. Don't live there. Put a little bit of confidence in God. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and they are safe. Amen. Amen. Well, today, listen, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody in the room, maybe you got a kid in the room that's not saved yet. And I know exactly who I'm looking at right now. I'm wondering. I'm thinking of one right now in my head. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But maybe, maybe, maybe you're watching us online today. Or maybe you're watching us after this has streamed live. And you say, man, Rob, my life is rattled with fear. In particular, the fear of death. The fear of loss. The fear of something being taken from me. And I'm going to tell you how you overcome that fear. You get a relationship with the one who conquered all of your fears. You need Jesus. And if that's you today and you'd say, I need Jesus, I want to pray with you. Online, we ask you to, to hit the like or to text the word decision to 423-443-4339. We want to know that you said this prayer today. You can email us. We'll read all those emails. But listen, today is the day to come into relationship with Jesus so that you can overcome those fears, because he's already overcome all of those things for you. What are you afraid of today that Jesus has already overcome? That's what he can save you from. That's what he can rescue you from. So let's all, everybody in this room and everybody online, let's pray, pray this prayer with those that are making that decision right now. Let's say this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. You conquered death for me. I give you my life today. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. Confess you as Lord. I will not live another day in fear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, we love you so much. We're so excited for you. Please let us know. We'd love to communicate with you and keep in touch with you. Also, uh, when you come back, we're, we're going to do something that was recommended, and uh, we're not going to pass the bucket around anymore. And uh, so we're going to set them out and let you give. So today, that's what we're going to do here. Today's kind of like a practice run for everybody that's going to come back. And uh, I think it's went, it's went pretty well. It went pretty well. So we'll work on it one more week, and then on May 31st, Calvary, you'll be invited back. So you'll look for that online. You'll be able to register. Or you can call if you don't have access to that type of stuff. You can call us and say, hey, I'm coming, and three people are coming with me to second service, however you want to do that. We just need a number so that we can prepare the sanctuary, make sure there's enough space for everybody to be in the room. So anyhow, we love you. Continue to give. You've been so faithful. I think we've given nearly $21,000 away just locally in the community to different organizations and people. We've been helping. We just helped a college student uh, who, was, who was getting ready to be, uh, I guess they weren't going to be able to continue at, at ETSU. Uh, they were a foreign student here, and um, 
they had to pay all of their college off before they could enroll the next week. So we just paid their student uh, debt off. Uh, we're looking at a way to erase and eliminate the debt of our, our, our nurses and people on the front line who are serving right now. So there are organizations that we can give to and, and uh, they will literally eliminate debt from people's medical debt from people's lives. And so we're going to do that soon. We'll let you know. So I love you. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, come on, live. Dry bones live. Hear the word of the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you very soon. This is the sound make a dead man walk again.